we spend most of our time trying to move past those dark moments and move past the seasons that feel completely desolate and there's nothing happening. But it's in those moments where like we're shaping and molding exactly who we are and who we're gonna be for the rest of our lives. And I don't know, that that's something that I carry with me forever. songwriter artist david leonard our guest today on the waiting room podcast a series featuring people just like you from all walks of life who've taken their turn with patience i'm your host and producer libby olrich and welcome to a brand new season if you have been a follower since day one thank you it has been a minute since the last episode and i am so glad you're here if you're a first-time listener curious about how this project came to be head on over to season one and cue the introduction episode followed by a collection of conversations with friends, family, and mentors about their perspectives on waiting and what they've learned along the way. David's story was sent over to me recently, and it aligns so perfectly with the mission of this podcast. He released his first solo album, The Wait, this past March, and the track you heard earlier, I Will Wait, is an anthem reminding us of the goodness in our past and a bright future, despite the hurt we feel in the present. In August, he released a live performance follow-up called The Wait, Silence the Noise. These songs are a testament to David's encounter with heartache, anxiety, and finally redemption, particularly amidst the long infertility battle that he and his wife experienced. Additionally, his film inspired by the album called The Wait Movie is available now on YouTube and thewaitmovie.com. The film has a 2019 Dove nomination for Long Form Video of the Year, so congrats to David and his team on that. He is formerly one half of the Grammy Award-nominated duo All Sons and Daughters, and former touring member of Need to Breathe. I visited his production team and independent label, The Creek Music, to hear more about his career, how the album was written and produced, and why desert moments may be more valuable and memorable than the mountaintop. So with that, I invite you to take a seat, take heart. Welcome to The Waiting Room featuring David Leonard. So first off, I have to say... You released this solo debut, and you've got a couple different writers on there. Yeah. And one of the ones that got my attention was Andrew Rip. Yeah. And I did an interview with him about a year ago, and he talked about yeah. his adoption story, the concept of waiting, of hope. Yeah. So before we dive into this album and what it's meant to you, what was it like collaborating with somebody that could relate to your story from a very yeah. deep place. And I mean, that that crew, so me and Rip and then Ethan Hulse, we like wrote a bunch of these songs together. And it was kind of crazy because Ethan was walking through the same stuff at the same time. So all three of us were walking through the whole idea of the desire to have kids but not being able to and not coming up with answers. And um, it was therapy for all of us. Like, yeah. we would get together uh, at least once or twice a month, and we would end up going to Leaper's Fork, and we would go to, uh, what's it called, Country Boys, and we'd eat breakfast for hours and talk about our disappointments and talk about our uh, the fears of what it would look like if nothing happened and the fears of what it would look like if it did happen. And, um, it, it, yeah, it was it was like... It was the very thing that all of us needed. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, you know, we didn't come up with any answers or anything. But just the fact to be able to sit together and to all be okay with not being okay 
and to all be okay with like not having any answers was like the very thing that all of us needed. And yeah. It, a lot of, you know, all the songs that we wrote out of that stuff um, ended up on the record. And I mean, they all tied to that in some way or fashion. And so it's crazy. Was there a song on there that you didn't expect to write that came out of this this project? Or maybe was there something that you that you wrote that you didn't expect to learn? Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, I think the funny thing about this whole record was that it's like I, w- I wasn't writing for me. Like the, I was writing for all these other artists, and it was kind of a season of just like working on records and writing for people, but not thinking about doing my own project. Uh, and then six months down the road when we were looking at all these songs and nobody was cutting them, it was like, oh, <laughs> these are my songs. Like, yeah. oh, I think they're they're waiting for me. Um, I don't. I mean, I think, I think there's a, a song that's on there that that has been one of those that has has been my head space for a long time. Uh, is a song called "The Little That I Know," and it was like. It's been my struggle of like feeling like I was never good enough or never knew enough or never um, couldn't, you know, measure up to the things that I needed to be. Um, but the beauty of, of God going, hey, man, like it, it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm here. I'm with you. And the very thing that you feel like is very small is enough for me. And so that, that was one that I mean, every one of them sticks out to me in a way like that. It's like. This is such a personal record, you know. It's like I've n- I've never written a record that's as personal as this is. Oh, and I I mean I can tell, and I've you know it was my first time ever listening to yeah. it, you know. Um, so there is a line that I want to ask you about what it means to you. You got to know the darkness to show the light. Where did that come from? I mean, I think. I mean, I don't know. I, it's one of those things that like I feel like I've seen. My struggle's always been the tension of of knowing the things I'm supposed to do and then doing them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I, I've always constantly been drawn to the very things that are not good for me. and uh, But I think in some way or fashion, it's been a, a gift of knowing, you know, of seeing the things and being a part of things that are, are like, this is not me, this is not where I want to be. Uh, has gotten me to the spot of going, okay, hey, this is the person that I actually am, and this is what I want to. This is what I want to be, and this is the legacy that I want to carry on. And, um, but I think it, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to feel like when, when like you're, everything's going good. That it's like, it's easy, and and sometimes it's easy, but it's 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 those moments when you have like those desert kind of moments that are pretty like life-changing i had this moment after the after the miscarriage after the band had ended um we were we went out to the grammys we were nominated for a grammy which was insane it's like the The height yeah of where we were but at the same time we were taking a year off and still there was this thought in the back of the head of going you take a year off, it's, it's kind of hard to come back from it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's like identity stuff with who am I if all this goes away. And then at the same time, we had just had the miscarriage. 
um, and feeling like the rug was pulled out from under us. We had waited for so long, and then to have it happen, and then to have it taken away. So there was tons of, um, you know, there was tons of anger and all kinds of things. So we went to L.A. I decided I was going to take a drive, and I was going to do the drive back by myself. So I drove back from L.A. by myself. And everybody said, go to the Grand Canyon because you have this moment where you always, it's like it's like the Grand Cathedral, you know. Everybody sees God in the in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. You're fully aware of how small you are and how big this thing is. And so that's where I was heading. And I remember pulling out into the Mojave Desert, and it was just as black as can be. I don't remember stars in the sky. I don't remember cars on the road. I just remember completely being overwhelmed with anxiety. Realizing that I just sent all the people that I loved on a plane thousands of miles away, and I was completely by myself, and if anything happened to me, I was just by myself, you know. And I remember driving, and I could see this light starting to pop over the horizon. I thought I was coming into a city, but I was like, there's no town anywhere close to this. Further, I kept getting it, kept getting burning, burning, and all of a sudden the moon broke the horizon, and it was the biggest thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was like the Truman Show or something, you know. Wow. It felt like I was on a movie set. I, I, I pulled my car over because it felt like, I was like, this is unreal. There's like, there's no way this is real. And uh, and immediately when that thing popped open, it felt like God threw this big flashlight on, flashlight on just said, like I see you. And it was like the moment that I needed, I just needed to be acknowledged. I didn't need him to tell me what my life was going to be like or that everything was okay. I just needed to know that it was there. Do you feel like in those really still moments, that's when you're able to see God, see you? Because I feel like I I know for me, when it's really noisy, it's hard for me to even comprehend that like he's there. But then when I'm forced to sit down, yeah, in complete silence, I'm like, okay, (laughs) yeah. And when you get to do it on your own, it's so it's it's better most of the times. Yeah, especially in front of a massive moon in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was. And it, I, I just had that thought of, like, of of he met me there and he saw me there. And I went to the Grand Canyon and I had this, like, really beautiful moment. But it was nothing like the moment in the desert. And it was kind of that thought of going, man, like, we spend most of our time trying to move past those dark moments and move past the seasons that feel completely desolate and there's nothing happening. But it's in those moments where, like, we're shaping and molding exactly who we are and who we're going to be for the rest of our lives. And I don't know. That, that's something that I'll carry with me forever. Um, what song on the album encompasses that idea of molding our journey? A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> Signs of life pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. All I ever wanted was somebody to tell me it's okay. You know, it was like it was it was a lot of those things. Um yeah, I mean, there's probably ten of them. Probably the whole album. And in, in, in relation to Signs of Light, though, yeah. um, I feel like whenever we all go through different hard times and everything, you have those people close to you that understand what you're going through. Yeah. And you have those that you obviously, they love you, you love them, and they don't quite know, but they offer the wh- whatever kind of advice that they can yeah, give you. Yeah. Was there something during this season that you went through that really did help you mm. in a sense or comfort you um i think there was more i think i i can't pinpoint an exact moment but th- there were more moments where people just listened than there were moments that 
people actually offered advice to me. And I think that was kind of a pivotal thing of, of for myself, I'm such an outward processor. Like, I got to talk it through to figure out all this stuff that goes on through my head. My head is constantly rolling with thoughts and fears and excitement. And I, I'm I like, I have to process it a ton. Um, and so I, I had a lot of people that, and a lot of these guys that are sitting in this room, would just sit and let me just dump thoughts on them over and over again. And it was just like, it was that that thing of I just, I needed a space to feel like I could be 100% me yeah. and 100% like have, have 100% permission to ask all the questions that I felt. And yeah, I mean that, just being able to speak it out and to have people listen and to not because it, it is it's one of those situations that you get in that and I've been on the opposite side of it and you feel like you got to have the got to be the guy that's got the answer or something mm-hmm. or find the answer or make yeah. sense of what someone's told you or yeah. what their perspective is and then you end up just like what my friend calls spiraling yeah so you just get into this you're just over over processing everything yeah. and it's hard to understand it yeah Yeah. absolutely absolutely the production of signs of life what inspired that i like it it's great yeah i mean i think there was like (laughs) it's so weird to say but like these like outer 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 space moments of like um we wanted it to feel spatial and we wanted to have like these little trinkets that made you feel like there were things that were completely distant in moments but then at the same time, it was totally close to you. Yeah. And um, Did you ever watch the sci-fi movie Signs? Yeah. <laughs> That's what, literally what I'm thinking about. If it was like kind of different We should direction. have put that on the background while we were making it. You should have. It would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about your story. Okay. And, you know, what you want to share, what yeah. you went through. Yeah. and. So we've been married for 14 years now, which is kind of crazy. We have a seven-year-old little girl, which is awesome. But it took us to get pregnant with her. It took us like a year and a half as well. So it was, it was a, that was like that was the beginning of the journey. But like it wasn't this long journey kind of thing. Yeah. So there was struggle in it, um, but then there was like the just sheer excitement of like finally getting pregnant. We got pregnant. Everything went great with her. Um, and then we got like a couple years in, and we we're like, okay, hey. Let's do it again. Like, yeah, we got pregnant. Feel like this should happen again. This should work. And so we we started trying again, and nothing and nothing. And it was one of those things that was just like every month was just a giant letdown, you know. And um, like I I I do not wish that upon anyone. You know, you get to the same spot and and you're like. You just look at each other and you're like, you had no one has any answers. We went through doctor stuff. We went through testing. We did all that stuff and nobody can come up with the reason why it was happening. Um, and so it's just, just really hard. And um, obviously the tension between us grew more and more um, because we were both unsatisfied with the things that were happening and we desired other things and they weren't happening. So. It just made for our relationship to be that 
more difficult um, just because it was just steady. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't tension. figure out, obviously, how to yeah. fix it or, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, and I would try, you know, you both try to comfort each other. And then at the same time, you're, you, it just makes it worse. It's like what you're talking about. Like we, we would both <laughs> spiral. Like, um, and we'd have moments of, like, forgiveness and then moments of, like, why are you doing this? Um, and so there was four years of that. And then um, when she got pregnant, it was like, yes. Yeah. Finally. A weight lifted. In a weight way. lifted. And we immediately started telling people because it was like, it felt like the, the last one, you know. It was like, yes. Like, it happened. Took a long time, but yes, it happened. We're here. Everything will be good. And she got like 10, 12 weeks in. And uh, we went for a doctor's appointment. And there was no heartbeat or whatever. And mm. it's just I still remember the look on the doctor's face when she was like, she told us that there was nothing there. And it was like, dude, it was just the air got sucked out of the room. So because it was, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just no fear. We had zero fear, and uh, yeah, and then it happened. And so she had, she ended up having to have like the procedure done, um, and it was kind of, it was just wild. It was it, we both had to go on our own journeys. I did the trip to California. She went to Florida and sat on the beach for a week, and journaled and worked through a lot of things that she'd been going through like that she didn't even realize she was w walking through with her own family and so it was like it was an amazing healing time for us but it was really really difficult and really hard on us at the same time um and then we finally got we got pregnant again. We have a one year old little girl, which is awesome. Is that River? That's River. Awesome. Yeah. Which please talk about that in the lyric relation because that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was one of the so while we were pregnant, we decided we wanted to name her River because on that trip, my wife listened to it as well, a lot. And it's like when you look at the old hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, and and when we saw it, we saw it written on like this. We were at like some craft fair or something. Somebody had painted it on it. <laughs> I was like, I'm buying it right now. Uh, and it speaks. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, man, that, that, that name just like stood out to us so much. And uh, so during the pregnancy, I was writing and um, a friend of mine was here and we were, we were talking about the whole waiting thing. And so that came out. And then when we started writing the second verse, I was like, I think I can sneak this thing in here and nobody would even know this but that's crazy yeah yeah that, that it you know the song didn't come before and inspire no. her she came yeah, first she inspired it, yeah. yeah yeah um so in hindsight what would you tell somebody that is maybe is maybe going through what you went through you and a wife went through the hospital like yeah if they're going through that right now and they're just trying to get through that what would you say to them man i think the biggest thing from for us was just like knowing that we weren't alone in it you know i think it's really easy to um isolate and go into like your own thing in it and everybody has to do it like you you have to figure out you have to figure out your situation and what it looks like. Um, the moment you start bringing in people that you trust and, and people that you know, 
can speak life and truth in. It, it was a life giver for us. So um, being able to have community, don't don't isolate. Continue to talk about it because the more we talked about it, it it like it brought freedom. It was a, we were able to unlock things that we had stored up and had created chains around it basically when, when we thought it in our heads and we didn't really speak it out. And the more we speak it out, the more they were loosened and then broken. And, um, which I feel like is just so important for these types of, and for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're walking through that or like anything serious. Like the more we um, dive into community, I feel like the better it is. I mean, I know everybody talks about this, but like with social media and people not feeling like they can't communicate yeah. in person just yeah. as they, just as much as they do over their phones. Like yeah. it's, I, I keep reading that like loneliness is one of the biggest struggles today because people be. do not know they've, we've forgotten yeah. how to reach out and how to, you know, build community. No, no, it's fake. It's like, it's, it's a buzzword. Uh, community yeah. has become a buzzword in yeah. certain ways, you know, yeah. I feel like, yeah. Oh, yeah, people are like, oh, yeah, I have friends. And they're like, no, you're not talking to anybody. Like, you're making a comment, and then you're waiting for somebody else to comment. That's like, that's not talking. Like, it's 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 such a skewed view of, of what all this needs to be. We need to be sharpened, and we, we need to be challenged, and I don't know. Yeah. I'm all for it. I read, That's why I call people on the phone. Like, I don't like texting. I'll text if I have to, but it's like, it's so I'd hard. much rather call you and actually talk to you about it. Yeah. Like what would take two hours on the text message could take us two minutes. If right. you actually hear my voice and hear where I'm coming from, what we want to go to. I don't know. Being I'm just able a believer to, in that. Well, I'm placing certain conversations for certain types of, yeah. you know, yeah. like a platform or just in person, you know. Um, what does waiting mean to you? Because there's, I feel like there's so, like I know even during times when I go through when I go through times where I have to be patient, when I read quotes like patience is a form of action yeah. or wait, but don't stop acting. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. I can get a little muddled and it's kind of like, well, like, am I supposed to be still? You know, what yeah. do you have to offer in terms of even understanding the purpose of waiting? Yeah. I think waiting is the thing that you hate when you're going through it, but then you, you learn to love after you get past it. And I would say the more you embrace it, the more you you start to look for things in the waiting, uh, I think the more beneficial it is to you. While it's hard and it sucks that you're walking through this thing, if you can continually try to find the little nuggets that are in it, I, I think you, you really walk away with something that you, you will hold on to for the rest of your life. And it's a gift. And it's like if you're going to walk through these types of things, you better get something on the other right. end of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, and I, think, I think when you're consciously looking for them and you're consciously aware of the things that are happening, there's really amazing things that can happen with it. Was there something that you look back that did happen in that period that, you know, I mean, I guess it's sometimes hard to say, especially in a situation like that where yeah. good came out. But yeah. Well, I mean, I think the desert story for me has been that moment. Like, that was that was the moment for me that I felt like I got, like, I I got, that was like a, a boulder of a nugget that I got given to me. Um, and, yeah, there's just little things along the way. I don't even know if I can tell you all of them. Yeah. 
I think it all gets, the more you move past it, it's like the more it dissolves away. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the constant, the constant looking, and I just remember little things, even, man, there was one moment where we were at dinner, me and my wife and my daughter, and we were at dinner, and we got to, we were at that point where we were just like, we'd given up on all of it, it's like, we're done with it and we're sitting there and our daughter was sitting there and we were eating Mexican food and she was like hey can I pray for the baby and I was like, we're like yeah yeah if you want to and it's like she'd never done that before like I don't even know if we did that as a family like we hadn't really got together and just like kind of done that and she's like I just feel like I want to pray for whatever's happening and she wasn't wasn't pregnant during the time, yeah, so, and she ended up getting pregnant after that. That's but it was crazy. like it was one of those uh, just another little. What's little your other daughter's name? Ella Kate. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what did you learn about um, in terms of prayer during this time? Like what it what it means to pray. Uh, it looked different. Mm-hmm. It was definitely. Uh, I mean, I feel like during that season it felt one-sided, for sure. There were lots of moments where it was just like, why am I even doing this? And I, I even speak about that and share this burden, you know. Sometimes I'm too tired to pray because it feels like nothing ever changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, I don't know. It, and this, it happens in the waiting, it happens outside of the waiting. You know, we have these moments where we feel like God speaks to us really clearly, and we have these moments where we feel like he's really silent. Mm-hmm. And I've come to realize in, in all of those moments, still there. And um, you know, it's just sometimes we need to hear him louder than others. Yeah. The song, I Will Wait. Mm-hmm. I could be totally thinking this, or maybe I just love the song. <laughs> but did Give Me Jesus inspire the first line of that? No. But no? What, what is it? In the morning, I will rise. But it was kind of like, not like you were like utilizing, but yeah, I yeah. kind of like, oh. I, I used to sing Give Me Jesus all the time. It's the best song ever. Yeah. One of the best songs. Yeah. Um, that was, I remember when I started, because I had stopped leading worship. Like, I, I kind of led worship in high school and stuff. And then when I went to college, stopped, and I was doing, like, the rock band stuff and kind of moved away from Christian things. And I remember when I started going to this church in Franklin, and they asked me to lead, and I was like, I don't know any of these, like, songs. <laughs> and I remember hearing Give Me Jesus, and I was like, what is that thing? Because mm-hmm. I, like, I love that. And I, I remember leading that all the time. But, I no, I definitely didn't think about it, but I should have thought about it during don't, that. Well, but I cool. should do yeah. it with it. You should. It would be, be awesome. awesome, like, sing a song and then, yeah. like, transition into yeah. So, yeah, y'all that hear it, just know. What was the first line of Um, In the morning, I will rise. In the morning, in the morning, when I rise. When I rise. Yeah. In the morning, when I rise. In the morning, when I rise. Yeah. Yeah. We should do that. That'd be awesome. You should. We're sitting in this back room here. Where we're surrounded by pianos. All these pianos. You know, I grew up playing in piano a little bit. 
Well, you should play something. Oh, gosh. I have not. So my parents, <laughs> my parents put me in lessons because I played Happy Birthday mm-hmm. and with chords on the piano. And they were like, she's, she's got to like, <laughs> and they like got super excited, put me in lessons. And I loved it because it challenged me to go home and I would hear the songs that the teacher would, would tell me about. And yeah. I would kind of read the notes. But I would just memorize the hand placement. Yeah. And I remember my um, piano teacher would always get frustrated because she's like, well, what notes are you playing? Like, what? And I'm like, man, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is like an E sharp or F sharp. I just know this That's is awesome. my hand placement or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is nice. feels like. Where did you grow up? Uh, Georgia. You did? Okay. Yeah, I guess to Georgia. Right. So I'm from a really, really small town called Hepzibah. Okay. It's, it's apparently... A woman's name in the Bible, so I mean, Sounds I guess it's awesome. blessed, you know. So I'm from there, and then I moved to Nashville to go to Belmont. Okay, and I'm stuck around. And you're from you're from Arkansas, right? Yeah, yeah. Small town or nine thousand people? That's this probably big. Is that bigger than your town? Probably at this point, probably the same. same. It was about five thousand yeah. when I was living there. Yeah, yeah. No one did music where I was from. I mean, like yeah. I didn't even know anybody that played guitar. Like, I had a buddy who ended up getting a guitar, and I was like, what is this? Um, yeah, it was just kind of crazy. Never thought that um, ever would do anything musical. But, dude, another guy that came from my hometown, Jason Owen, like, huge yeah. manager. Casey Musgraves, Little Big Town. He's from my hometown. He's, like, the only other guy that's, like, done anything musical. Which is kind of crazy. It is crazy. I know the only people from Augusta that I know of is Charles Kelly and oh, yeah. Dave Edwood. Yeah, yeah, Edwood. yeah. I went to Six Flags in Atlanta recently. It's not fun. I used to think it was I awesome. <laughs> I went back. It's awful. <laughs> I feel like that's the case. Like, you, there's usually something in your childhood. You're like, man, that was like my favorite the thing. Best ever. And then, like, 20 years later, you're like, what attracted me to, or what? No idea. No Got idea. me going about this. Yeah. Who knows? Since we're talking about small towns, is there something from living in a small town that I that maybe like prepared you to be patient in your journey as as an artist? Even? Yeah, I mean, I think pe- people ask me about like being from, especially Arkansas, and I feel like it's like across the board in the state. I don't know why. And I said the other day, I was like, I I think it's because because we have nothing going for us, <laughs> and it, <laughs> like. We just have to be really nice people. And I feel like there's this, like, camaraderie that people just surround people. Like, it didn't matter what you were going through. It didn't matter if you need, like, people came around and, like, got stuff done. Like, if somebody had a need, like, stuff got done. And, like, I miss that about, like, hometown and, um, I don't know, you knew everybody. And it didn't matter, and if you ran out of gas, you were going to see somebody in two minutes that would pull over and help you out. and Without expecting anything in yeah. return either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. When did you come to Nashville to pursue music? 2005, December oh, wow. of 05. I'm old. Well, I've, I've moved here in 2010. Okay. So that's not too far, like... I'm 57 years old. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 37. Yeah, December of 05, which seems like... Eons ago. Yeah, it was. Have you ever watched TV shows from 2005? Yeah, like How I Met Your like? Mother? 
or just even seeing what the quality of TV looks like, <laughs> even in 2010. You're like, ah, I don't want to. I don't want to admit this, but I was watching The Bachelor, and they were showing like episodes. <laughs> that's from, not what I expected out of your mouth. They were that. showing episodes from like 2010, and it it might as well have been like. I, I don't know. It was like grainy and might as well have been a black and white film. That's so funny. It was so weird. And it was 2010. I was like, we have come so far. We have. In nine years or whatever, you know. But I love like sitcoms from early 2000s. You can't beat it. Like there's, I'm like, why is there not a sitcom out like, like Friends or like How I Met Your Mother or like just. It's true. We don't have that. It's almost television. Too, it's too serious. Yeah, we all need We either to. got too serious or it's too, too playful. It's like there's no in-betweens. There's no realness. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Uh, Have you ever watched the Goldbergs, though? Okay. One episode, but I've never gotten into it. Is it worth it? Oh, it's totally worth it. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Hulu, Netflix, I watch so it. much stand-up comedy on Netflix. I just started, which used to not be a thing. No. Nobody watched stand-up, but it used to be. Back in the day, now it's a thing. Again. Who's your favorite? Who are some of your favorite stand-up comics? Well, like I've tried to. This is this is gonna sound like a total cop out, probably, but I watch Kevin Hart and I can't like <laughs> not roll when this dude is talking. Like, and I've tried to watch other things after I've watched that, and I turn them off because this dude just kills every time. I don't know. I like him. Obviously, I love Chappelle and like. Yeah. What he does, his new thing. It's funny. Do you watch uh, Sebastian? All the things I probably shouldn't say. Oh, yeah, um, Sebastian made his call, Yeah, I, tra- I watched him after a Kevin Hart thing, and it didn't. And didn't I watched him on um, Comedians in Cars as well. Oh, that's a good series. With Seinfeld or whatever. And it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. But that was fun. The Eddie Murphy one of that one was really good. See, I don't think I've watched that one. Dude. We probably have, like, different, yeah. It's really interesting. And the Jamie Foxx one was really good, too. I don't know. You have a certain... I'm drawn towards black comedians. (laughs) I was going to say, I wasn't going to say, but yeah, there we go. It's my thing. It's your thing. Um, I do want to get into your time briefly, like, with Need to Breathe and All Sons and Daughters and um, how those sounds influenced this album so uh even before so when i moved here in 05 i had a band called jackson waters that was just like we were a bar band we were signed to word but we were like the bar band the church band whatever but we would do like three hour cover sets yeah so i was playing like stevie wonder and maroon five and franz ferdinand and all this kind of stuff so it's like franz ferdinand yes it was like crazy (laughs) and you know and that was just like Whatever, it was just party, fun. And then stepped in, need to breathe, started playing keys for that. And that was just like, that was just like throwing your foot on the gas. Like all of a sudden we were just like rolling. And when I came in, it was, it was during the Outsiders, Outsiders, it just, we just made it. And it was, it was crazy. It was like starting to do sold out shows and selling out clubs. And it was just really fun. And, then to do that and then to start writing songs for our church and doing the All Sons of Dars thing, which was like complete opposite of all of those things. 
I was simply trying to resource a, a church with songs for them. But then at the same time, our church was like very specific that we weren't like a rah-rah church. We were like, it was very organic and, you know, so the sound that we were coming up with was just... Somewhat traditional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was just what our church did. And so when people started, when I put the record out and people heard this, like, because a lot of these people, a lot of people were all Sons of Dollars fans that started picking this up. And they're like, this is nothing like that. But it's like, people don't understand that. Like, I've been doing music for the last 20 years. Like, um, and All Sons and Daughters was like seven years of that, you know. And so there was tons of stuff in between. And, and uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I think we were able to get a good, healthy dose of all of them in there. Obviously, I'm, I love pop music and um I love the art of telling a story, but I love taking people on a journey sonically, and that's what we wanted to do. We didn't mm. want to have any rules. We wanted to just make a record, and we're just real proud of it. What do you love most about that process, aside from people's opinions? Yeah. Know, and I mean, I think it's just the the nature of taking something that doesn't exist and bringing it into the world. You know, it's like... You can do a song a million different ways, but like when you find that one, they are like, okay, this is special. Yeah. Like you just can't wait to share it with everybody. And I don't know. I just, I geek out over that. And I geek out about getting to do the live thing. You know, that's kind of the full circle moment for me. Like you spend all this time creating and writing, but then when you go out and you stand, in a crowd of people and you hear them sing the songs and you see how they react to the music like you can't beat it it's like no can't other yeah when do you go on tour for this this album so i'm doing like a two week long club run in the middle of september which i'm really excited about and then um touring like heavily starts in february so it's gonna be fun though biggest thing that you would want someone to hear who's listening to this album, whether they're going through a great season or they're going through a season of waiting, yeah. which I feel like I feel like we're all going through a season of waiting yeah. all the time. Yeah. Just it kind of depends on the level, but what do you want them to know? Man, I, I think, I mean, I hit on it earlier. It was just the biggest thing is just knowing that you're not by yourself. Like, um, it, it is really easy to sink into isolation and it's, it's, a, it's a dark place. And I, with the climate of everything that's happening in our world and the amount of people that struggle with depression and all of that stuff, it's just, um, I do not wish that upon anybody. And I, I just pray that people are able to find community and people are able to find people to, to, to that are able to um, link arms with you and walk through the season of life that you're in and... Uh, if you don't have that, I, I pray you're able to find it and um, that you seek out to find it because it's it's worth it. I know it's hard and it's difficult, and uh, for a lot of us, it's it's like the last thing that we want to do, but it's like it's probably the thing that we need the most. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. For the creative person, so someone who's a musician, someone like me who's creating and has moments of like I'm in a dry spell and I can't figure yeah. out, What's supposed to inspire me if I'm supposed to be working hard towards something or if I'm supposed to rest? What have you learned experiencing that in your own creativity? Yeah, I definitely, I'm a, I'm a seasons guy. So, like, there's moments where I'm, I'm writing and there's moments where I don't. Um, but I, I think 
I think I'm always open to whatever could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that you don't really want to like label it. Oh, I'm walking. I'm this season. I'm not writing. Like, no, you can't. Like, you just have to be. It's like one of those things that you just have to have your head on a swivel at all point in time and just be ready for anything. Like, because creativity, I feel like, comes out of nowhere. And 100%. Sometimes we miss it, sometimes we catch it. And I feel like the more aware of our surroundings we are, the more that we're able to catch it. And, you know, it's like going to a movie and watching something, being inspired. And when you come home, you're like, Boom, something hits you and you just want to do something. Um, but it's 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 you have to you have to intentionally create space for you to at least go, Yep, I got something today or I don't like but if you don't ever give yourself the space you're never gonna have it. But if you could set aside a little bit of time and just go, Okay, hey, this is just my time to that I can do whatever. Like I can just hold the pen today or I can actually write something down. Like but definitely give yourself the space to do stuff and you never know what's going to come out. Love it. Well, thank you Dude, for taking the you. time for sharing just your story awesome. and everything. Thank you. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Glad we both agree. <laughs> One of us leaves here goes, eh, you know, it's whatever. Okay. It was fine. <laughs> Where can people follow you on social, uh, you on social media? Instagram, David Leonard Music, uh, davidleonardmusic.com, Facebook, all the above. Yep. And the album is just stream everywhere. It's streaming everywhere. There's there's the wait, and then we release an entire version of the record that's just a, like an acoustic version, which has been really awesome. Wait, I need to find, I need to flag the acoustic version. I yeah. didn't even know that that was. Yeah. So it's called Silence and Noise. Oh, okay. So there's that. I only, that's why I was only, I only listened to like. And then we made a movie too. Do you know there's a movie too? There's a movie? There's a movie on YouTube. So we made a music video for every song. What? And they all go together as a short film. Oh my god, that's kind of like, no, I mean not like this because it's a totally different story. But like, you do you listen to Khalid? Oh, it's like my favorite right now. Khalid put a movie out when on did YouTube. He put one out? Whenever he released his last album, which was insane. How did um, I not know that that happened? It's kind of intense, but it's called Free Spirit movie. Yeah. Okay. It's like I'll kinda, watch it's it. It's kind of dark, but it's it's that's great. Right. It's beautifully shot. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'll look up yours. So what's, okay, so what's the, the, so it's called The Wait, and then. It's on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. I'll post a link to it. With yeah, this. post a link. It's fun. Cool. Well, thanks. I mean, it's, it's he- there's heavy moments, but it's like, it's fun. There's different moments of waiting, I feel like, so. Yeah. That goes. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Visit davidleonardmusic.com to stream the album, watch The Wait movie, and more. All content links associated with this episode can be found at LibbyOlrich.com slash TWR series. If you like what you hear, subscribe to The Waiting Room with Libby Olrich on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow Waiting Room series on Instagram and visit LibbyOlrich.com to browse other fun content, sign up for my newsletter, and follow me on social media. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you'll join me next time on another episode of The Waiting Room. Take care.